This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Pastor Michael, we've answered a question like this or similar to this on a few other podcasts, but I'm going to throw the question out that's been asked so we can go at it one more time. The question is, how does God view gay or same-sex marriage? And this question, I appreciate the way in which it's asked, how does God view? Mm-hmm. Not what do we think, what what does culture think? How does God view this? So they're asking the question from a good foundation. What does God think? A long time ago, I worked at Starbucks and um, they knew I was a pastor because I was working at Village Church as a youth pastor. I was in seminary. And um, so people would come up to me and they would ask me, like, what what do you think about blank? What do you think mm-hmm. about this? And uh, there's a lesbian who worked there. There's a bisexual young man who worked there as well. And uh, so they would regularly ask me. And I would give them one response every time. I would say, look, look, what I think does not matter. Is irrelevant. Yeah. What does God think? What does the Bible say about right. this? So the way I would frame the question with them is I would say, um, look, people ask me because they know I study the Bible. And I always put this out on the front end for people. I ask them, do you really want to know what God, what the Bible says and what God thinks? Do you want to know what I think? Do you want to be upset mm. or do you want to be in a conversation? So yeah. I always preface it. And yeah. I always start off with this statement. Um, whatever you think I think, don't ever put me in a box, okay? Well, because like I may not think what you think I think and you may think things that I think <laughs> and then assume things that I don't actually mean or believe. Okay. Or I could say X and then you would draw a conclusion Y, but Y isn't my conclusion from X. Mm. And so – immediately what I have to do in the conversation almost every time if it's not a Christian is I have to readjust their expectations and I have to take control of the conversation. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean there's so much heat around this. I am not interested in fighting with anybody about this issue. Now, you know me. I can be a little snarky and and I have opinions. I'm one of the more opinionated humans. And you're the baby in the family. I I get that. The baby in the family, you know. And (laughs) what I've learned from you, Tim, is – you might be just as opinionated as I am. And <laughs> but so I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, which means you have so much more wisdom and tact and savvy. So, you know, one of the things I like to do is frame this for people and say, don't assume what I think. Right. And what do you really want to know? Yeah. What is your goal? Do you really want to be educated mm-hmm. in terms of what the Bible says about this? Or do you want to be upset about it because you're on some culturally induced social rant? Mm-hmm. So that being said, Here is what I think everybody needs to know about gay marriage in the Bible. And if this is a surprise or if this upsets anybody, with all the love I can say in my heart, you haven't been paying very close attention to anything except your pop culture machine. Because for 2,000 years, Christianity has been an almost complete and total unison about what the Bible and therefore God thinks about homosexuality. Prior to that, um, the Jewish history for um, two to four, two to 3,500 years, whatever you want to call it, has been absolutely unified in their consensus. Almost all of human history has been unified in their consensus about what they believe about homosexuality and gay marriage. Totally agree with that. Are there always outliers? Yes. Can you go in history books and find the 1%? Yes. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the... 99%. But when you go to historic Christianity and historic Judaism, until I would say the 1900s, 99.9% of historic Christianity Mm -hmm. and Judaism has had no category for God approving same-sex marriage or gay marriage, just not in their categories. 
But we we live now, and now uh, there is a growing number of quote unquote Christians who are advocating trying to give biblical defenses for same sex marriage. So what happens is in the cultural landscape, people feel like, well, there are people who say it's a, a legitimate biblical interpretation, so it must be an option. Now here's like something we got to dismantle. Gosh, I've had a guy say this to me in the last two weeks. Uh, comes to our church, asks me a question, and he says, "Well, that's." Your interpretation. Mm, okay. Which I just want to say this. Don't say that to somebody unless they give a really dumb interpretation right. of something because historically the church has been unified on the majority of its major positions. Yes. And so it's not just me interpreting that. It's 2,000 years of church history. History that you're I'm standing basing, on their shoulders. Yeah, you're, you're standing on their shoulders. Right. So I'm not just pulling this out of my butt being like, oh, that's my interpretation. So there are a couple things that are just really important to know. The church has been unified in our interpretation. And just because there is a one or two or three percent of people uh, who can advocate a position does not make it now legitimately biblical, right? Right. So here's what I want to tell everybody about the Bible and gay marriage. For at least four to five thousand years, there has been zero category, 0.0001 percent, let's be generous, <laughs> mm. of people who would read the Bible and say, um, God loves gay marriage and supports it and advocates it, and it's a holy union. Like, it's just not a biblical category. No. The Bible is, if you're going to be honest, and I, and I mean this, I've got one, two, three, four, four friends off the top of my head right now who I've been friends with or have relationships with who have shifted their opinion to believe that the Bible supports gay marriage as a holy union, meaning a holy union, one that God sanctions. Well, well, yeah, one that God would approve of. All of them, and I mean this, all of them, we're desperate for it to be true. Mm -hmm. So when your desperation brings you to the word of God and you come to a conclusion that is a not stated in scripture, nor is it a conclusion that anybody in history except for the 0.001% have concluded. And those were outside of the bounds of orthodoxy and in his church history uh, prior to the 1900s, they almost always unilaterally rejected essentials of Christianity, okay? So let's put that out there. If you're going to come to the vast minority opinion, probably there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. That's like somebody saying, I don't believe in gravity. I believe it's something else. Well, you're a minority, and do you really want to buck 4,000 years of science? Yeah. Well, no. And that's kind of my point. Now, the challenge is we live in a world where now there's more people saying maybe gravity isn't real. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not true. And just because a bunch of people ask the same questions, don't make the questions legitimate. And it does not mean that the Bible has changed. The questions have changed. What I found is that more and more people are less literate when it comes to scripture. So they're asking questions as if they seem novel. But the problem is the word of God hasn't changed. No. The word of God has remained stable and constant for thousands of years. And so what I'm watching happen is that people are asking questions. They don't actually have a knowledge of the Bible. They haven't read it. They have read other people's interpretations or they have heard other people's articles explain their positions on certain things. Mm -hmm. And yet somebody has not picked up 1 Corinthians 11 and walked through the beginning of it on gender roles and hierarchy and headship. They haven't walked through Romans 1 on homosexuality. Uh, they haven't walked through um, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 on creation fall. And so, like, there are these, like, studies they've never even never done. done. They're just living off of other people's ideas. And I'm sorry, but you are not equipped to really give biblical examples unless you have actually studied these texts and studied a history of interpretation and why people for thousands of years have landed in the same spot. Now, that being said, 
Um, what does the Bible say about it? The answer is not a mystery. No, it's not. Genesis 2 is as clear as any other book could be uh, understood. The Bible is very easy to understand. Uh, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Yep. God is the one that instituted marriage, and he created male and female for marriage. Yep. If these things were holy, if gender was fluid and, and sexuality was open, God would not have missed the boat until 1990 or 1950 in German liberalism or yeah. whatever else. You know what I mean? This is partially why, and this is where somebody might hear me and say, that's offensive. Well, it's why we reject Jehovah's Witnesses, because until right. the 1850s, there was no such a thing. There was no group like that. Yeah. When somebody comes up and says, I have a new revelation, a new interpretation, we step back as the church and we say, no. No. We don't do new on the essentials. Okay. Mm -hmm. And to say that the church missed this for 6,000 years or 4,500 years or however long we've been writing this stuff is to say that God was out of date, didn't anticipate the reality and of he our— he hid this as a mystery for all these years. The mystery hidden was Jesus, not right. gender and sexuality, you know? And then he wouldn't have also put in Scripture multiple instances where he explicitly articulates homosexual behavior and then calls it really negative words mm -hmm. from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I mean, he just wouldn't have done that. God has been so clear on gender and sexuality. Now, this is inconvenient for people. And this is where I want to give a couple categories, okay? From Genesis, you just read it. Leviticus, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. Now, God's been really clear about that. And that's pretty harsh words. It, it, is. it is. not just sin. It's an abomination. Right. Now, if you're hearing this and you are a homosexual non-Christian, you're mad at me. Now, my, my job here, as I said, forget about what I think. All I want to do, and all I, I know that you want to do right now, is, is to say, we don't matter right now. Right. Our job is we want to give biblical answers to life's questions. And so our job is to say, okay, we, we get a question. Here's what God's word says. You can be upset with God's word. Don't get upset with me, right? That's I'm not the issue. You're not the issue. Mm -hmm. God's word is the issue. And so it doesn't say um, outside of marriage, a man shall not lie with a man. Mm -hmm. It's a sweeping blanket statement. Right. And Romans picks up the same idea. First Corinthians 9 picks up the same idea. I mean, it's, it's just all throughout the Bible. If you're not a Christian, I don't expect you to love it. I don't expect you to like it because your primary heart language is culture. Mm -hmm. A Christian's primary value system is built by the word of God. And those are two very different value systems starting in very different places. And so I, I'm okay if you hear us talk and you're like, man, this, this is offensive or whatever else, because the Bible is fundamentally opposed to the culture's values right now. So mm -hmm. we expect that. The category of people that I would like to have a real candid conversation with and I, any opportunity that they're willing to be humble and listen, which by and large, almost none of my Christian homosexual friends will talk about this issue because their identity is bound up in it rather mm. than thinking intellectually and helpfully about it. I want to look at them and say, you and I both know you don't have a, a theological, biblical, exegetical, logical leg to stand on. You cannot in good conscience believe that interpretation of scripture has been wrong for 4,500 years and that all of God's people have missed it until you. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that to be anything other than if you're going to be a Christian and advocate for um, God affirming same-sex marriage, um, 
I just really would love for there to be a, for the Christians, not not the non-Christians. Non-Christians, you can believe whatever you want. I'd love to, right. whether you agree with me or not, I love you. I'm uh, Agreement on this is not a requirement for me to be friends with you, although mm-hmm. I'm learning from more and more people. It is an agreement for them to be friends with Some, me. Sometimes it works the other way. Yeah. yeah, which is weird, but whatever. But what I want to just say to my Christian buddies, especially those in ministry, is I wish you could just at least say, Yes, the history of biblical interpretation for 4,500 years has been the opposite of what I'm holding to. I'm in a minority view historically and contemporarily in terms of a global perspective on homosexuality. The West lives in this vacuum where we believe because our small pop culture media machine, which is all we listen to, tells us the same things over and over again, that the vast majority of the world supports these ideas. It does not. Mm -hmm. This is actually still globally a minority position. And uh, in the West, then we also think, well, they're all dumb. We're the pinnacle of civilization. We're so smart. We've evolved. It's all narcissism and just not a helpful perspective to say all of history and all of humanity is wrong. So that being said, I just want my Christian pastors, my Christian brothers and sisters who are actively advocating homosexual lifestyles to at least admit that what is driving them to their biblical, quote unquote, biblical conclusions is their identity and not the text. Mm -hmm. Is that hard? Sure. Do I allow people to disagree with me on a billion issues? Totally. You know, you and I don't agree on everything. Right. We don't. And that's not because you're weak and have an identity issue and you're imposing that on the text. Not at all. Um, I'm not right on everything. But here's what I do know. For 4,500 years plus, the church and the Jewish people have been unified, unified in their understanding. Unified on this position. And the word of God has never given an ounce of leverage for any other option or interpretation. Now, you're thinking to myself, I now hate Michael Feeling and Tim Chin. They're patriarchal, <laughs> oppressive, injustice, whatever, you know. Our job is to talk about what Scripture says. And if you don't like that, I would just say, I'm a nice guy for the most part, and you're way nicer than me. <laughs> so, like, we love you. Whether or not you have a category for what the Bible says, like, I have no judgment, no condescension. I'm not afraid of you. I can be friends with you. I can be good friends with you if you are a non-Christian, if you're a homosexual. I mean, I just have no personal condescension. I don't look down on you at all. I know you would agree with me, Tim. Mm -hmm. I do. I cannot change you, and I will not try to change you because I don't have the power to change you. Right. God and his word is the only change agent that we can really say will last. Yep, and that's it. I mean, yes, I want to change a whole bunch of people. Don't get me wrong. I want to change a lot of Christians, right? But like you and I have to, as pastors, we have to walk about our lives knowing we're here to encourage, sometimes to rebuke, sometimes to point out, sometimes to build up. We have no power. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we are messengers and encouragers and builders. And so anyway, so I'm ranting now. I could just talk for (laughs) days. You know, so give give us a closing thought. Yeah, so let's just wrap it up in a nice boat. What is God's view of gay or same-sex marriage? It is clear. It is concise. It has been from Genesis to Revelation the Mm -hmm. same. Literally, Genesis to Revelation. The church and Judaism has been unified on this for the, the entire history of the church and Judaism, that both the Bible and these two sects of faith agree that God's view is this is not right. This is unbiblical. God does not sanction it. God speaks directly against it. Yep. Emotionally so. In places, it's, it's very emotional. Yep. So that's what God thinks. Please come back next time when we answer the question, will we be taken from the earth during the rapture? Ooh, I think we're going to throw down on this one. (laughs) 